You're listening to Trucking 101, Surviving Your First Year. We'll talk about safety, managing your money, and real life out on the road. Our group has over 100 years of combined real-world driving experience. You've got questions, we've got answers. Hello and welcome to Trucking 101. My name is Rick, and besides me is my gorgeous wife, Melissa. Today's episode is all about lease purchase. We have two special guests with us tonight on the show who have experience with lease purchases, Edward Prince and Matthew Morrison. You're going to hear a lot about signing a lease if you're with one of the big carriers. And I'm going to start off by telling you my story about getting into a lease. It's a fairly short one because it didn't actually go too bad for me. I uh, went into a lease... I didn't even know it was a lease, actually. Didn't know too much about the truck. I bought the truck within the first my first year of driving. And uh, I had good credit, so I didn't have to put any money down on it. I actually did get a title for the truck, and it was never put to me that it was a lease. But I found out when uh, the truck ran perfect up to about 750,000 miles when the engine blew up on it. I was able to survive that. Melissa and I were... were together as a husband and wife team at that time so we were able to to make a comeback from a from that but it very easily it was an EGR truck it was one of the early EGR one of the last cat engines that was made and so the majority of the problems were were just a, a an electrical problem that was actually not even a problem it was just setting off a light in the truck other than that and the engine blowing up which uh, you know, it was unfortunate. Uh, it it actually ran good after the engine was rebuilt. It ran 500,000 miles, and we parked it when we bought the the truck that we have now. And so so it really wasn't too bad a deal. We got the truck paid off pretty quickly after we refinanced the the truck on the uh, through the bank and and with the help of Cat and and everything was fine. But I've heard you know many stories in the years that I've been following Kevin Rutherford. Rutherford and the Less Truck Company about people who, you know, they, they make a couple mistakes up front. You know, if you don't know anything about trucking, you don't know anything about the truck you're buying, that's where the mistakes can happen. It all comes down to luck, and that's the last thing you want to do is is stake your whole uh, business on a uh, on luck. You want to know what you're doing, and that's what Ed and Matthew are going to be talking about tonight. They're going to be talking about their own experiences in this, and they're going to be telling you guys what to look for when one of your people at your big carriers, you know, sending you messages over the Qualcomm saying, hey, come and get a truck, and we'll give it to you for no money down, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a great deal for you. There aren't many great deals when it comes to a lease, so let's go ahead and uh, Wait, get... Wait, hang on. I'm just going to talk a little bit about the how this podcast is going to go. Um, uh you may think that a podcast about surviving your first year shouldn't include talking about being an owner-operator, but that is a decision that you're going to have to make in your first year, uh, especially with a lease purchase. If you're with a major carrier, they're going to start to push that on you. So uh, this, is, right, yeah. this is one of the things that, that you need to know about in your first year, so that's why we're covering it. Tonight's podcast is uh, going to be split into three parts. We're going to talk about reasons not to sign a lease purchase, um, and we're going to talk about how to make a lease purchase work. 
successful and an alternative plan to becoming an owner-operator. So we're going to start off with Edward Prince talking about reasons not to sign a lease purchase. Hi, Ed. You're on the air. How you doing? I'm good. How you guys doing? We're doing well. Great. Yeah, uh, just enjoying the weather down here in uh, sunny Texas. Oh, you're lucky. Once again, we've got the bad Midwest windy cold weather, so we need to be in Texas too. <laughs> well, yeah. My my my, uh, my biggest uh, downfall is is that they can cut you loose at any time. You know that. Mm. Don't ever think your job is secure. You know, I used to when I first started as a driver, the a lot of the old timers would tell me. You, with that CDL, that's your gold card. You know, you got a good record, and you got a CDL. They're gonna, people are gonna be hunting you down, trying to hire you. So you, you can just do whatever you want. And and that kind of went to my head uh, there, in my first year. That's you're right about the first year. They hit you hard, and you got to you got to watch out. But I tell you what, they filled my head with all that. You can do what you want. It's your trip. Uh, they, these are all the. This is before social media, so the, the uh, all the truckers talk at the truck stop and all that stuff. They just said, "Oh, that's your truck. You know, you can do what you want with it." They can't govern that truck. They can't do what they want. So I went down to the mechanic shop and I I had it turned up, and uh, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get it turned up, and I'm going to I'm going to drive like I like to drive, and and uh, I did that, and of course student in it and the student decided he wanted to do 80 well they came in they they thought was doing 80 so they said you turn the truck up you're out of here so pack, you know, clean the truck and you know they say well you can try to buy the truck but come to find out in a lease you got in order to buy it out you have to pay the whole thing off which means you don't get to pay it off it's like in a lease they charge you a rental fee on top of the amount of the truck so you know, the value is just outrageous uh, as far as trying to buy it out of it. So uh, what are some other reasons not to sign a lease purchase? Well, uh, of course, you know, it's a it's a commitment you got to watch out for to the uh, to the carrier. You know, a lot of carriers nowadays, the uh, the more successful uh owner uh lease purchase owner operator programs where they stay take the truck to another carrier but most of them and i'm going to say probably about 90 percent of them uh you you can't take the truck anywhere else you got to run for that carrier and they won't they won't have any leeway on that you know you you all the recruiters the problem with it is too is that they got a recruiter he's Turned himself into a truck, and, and of course, we, we know recruiters. They they it, they're kind of like politicians. They're not necessarily going to lie, but they're not necessarily going to tell you the whole story either. And so, uh, those kind of things you're just not gonna you're not going to get all the 100% details, and and you're not going to know what questions to ask because you've never dealt with those things. So you're going to fall into those little traps where they're going to. Uh, tell you, well, yeah, and, you know, it's it's financed through, through a bank here, so, you know, you pay us, we'll take it out of your stomach, and, and if it thing's not working out, you can go somewhere else and come to find out. 
they just gave you bad information. He didn't know for sure that that was the case. That you know the contract itself is is really long, and I I, I can tell you for sure that those salesmen, aka recruiters, they don't they haven't read the contract. Just like they don't want you to read the contract because they they uh, they get it. And of course, you're all happy because you got this awesome looking truck, brand new, you know, never been driven, and you know that's that's just something we just get rose colored glasses, you know, with the the shades fall over our eyes because we just love that so much. So we we fall into that trap every time. Well, what about that uh, that shiny new truck? Are there some downfalls to uh, buying a brand new truck? Well, yeah, I mean, even. Of course, you guys can attest. Even even a new glider has its problems. So you you're gonna have a truck go through some kinks, and and it's gonna take a while to get those kinks out. And newer trucks, the problem with getting a newer truck is oh, you gotta take it to the dealer to get it worked on. You gotta take it to a dealer. So go to the dealerships and try to get it worked on. Well. They're the only place that knows how to work on them, especially these newer trucks. They're the only ones that know how to work on them, and they're the only ones that are going to work on it under the warranty. And it's going to take you a couple of days for them to even look at you. And even if even if it's looking at you pretty quick, well, they got to get the parts there or whatever, and that's going to take a while. So maintenance issues is a really big deal. You know, everybody says, oh, it's under warranty. It's under warranty. It's under warranty. What about the downtime? The, the the warranty doesn't mean anything if you're going to be stuck for a week and then next month three days and then next month two days. That those kind of things are the ones that uh, it's going to mess you up. You're not going to have to pay for any repairs, but you're not going to be earning any revenue. So yep. you know, right. that's, that's that's a problem. Yep. Now we, Rick and I, we don't have a whole lot of experience with lease purchases. That's why we're leaning on your expertise, you and Matthew. Uh, one of the things that we talked about when we were planning for this podcast was the fact that your lease purchase and your lease on contracts were the same. Can you uh, expound on that a little bit? Well, I mean, they some of them are and some of them aren't. That's that's where you have to ask. You know, they they tie them together just so they can you know be easier to deal with. But uh, some. Some uh, carriers will split them up, and some of them won't. But they they tie them together, and that's that's where you fall into that pitfall about being able to leave or being able to go somewhere else. Because you find out that the the company, you know, and I use the one I'm familiar with, which is Swift. They they have a separate company that leases the trucks, and you think, well, that's a different company. Well, it's still owned by the same people. They, they you know they all they all deal with it. So. It's a different uh, dynamic altogether, and uh, and like people have learned uh, going on doing research nowadays, that the company that leases those trucks for Swift, well, they also lease trucks for the uh, the Central Refrigerated and Central Freight. Well, come to find out, it's all they're, they're all the same people. They're the, the the board of directors for all those companies are are the same. So. It, it's all the same people dealing with the same things. It's, it doesn't change. So tying them mm-hmm. together, really, people might think, oh, that's, that's nice or whatever. It doesn't. It's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I uh, 
I just uh, was talking to a guy, Ed, at, I was doing the laundry a couple of days ago, and the guy was, you know, how guys would just start talking to you and telling you their life story and stuff, and this guy had been a driver for 35 years, and he was telling me that he was a company driver for Prime. Now, I didn't, I know that Prime is, is a big, you know, lease carrier, and so I didn't say anything, and as he continued to talk, he then told me he was lease on he was leased on to prime he didn't even consider himself to be an owner operator and this guy's got 35 years experience and didn't have enough knowledge about a lease purchase to realize they had leased him onto a truck and 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 he was going to have to do the whole 1099 and you know be a, an owner operator you know that's how how much they talk out of the sides of their mouth on, on these yeah. things yeah, some of these carriers do that too. They, they, like you're talking about, you know, first year trucking. You, you think we shouldn't have to worry about this? Well, if you go to a carrier, and I remember the one of them that I heard through the grapevine, and of course, there's no any time to back this up, but the 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 hurt the feeling I got from it was that uh, England would tell their drivers, this is what you got to do. As soon as you get done training. You're going to become an owner operator. You're going to you're going to sign this this lease to this truck, and we're going to pay you 10.99. And of course, that's just like the, the what we talk about in the expenses. That eliminates all of the problems that the carrier has to deal with as far as employees. They don't have to pay benefits. They don't have to uh, pay the payroll taxes. So I mean, that's that's what they do. And and there are still carriers out there that are doing that. I think the bigger carriers. Have uh, have stepped aside because they get the light shine on them pretty bright when that happens. But but the the smaller ones they can. And you know the other thing too is is that these different uh, companies have come up with a system that they feel is is better. And and it some I know several guys that have made it work. And of course that's the other part of it. But. But it is. I mean, they they they've designed. They say they've designed this system to make it work, and and there are drivers out there who who say, yeah, it works for me. But that doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody, and that doesn't mean that it's that it's a good thing. It's just, you know, I mean, I I went through and I paid my lease off, and I still got the truck now, and it was a it was it was a hard road, but I I I wouldn't I wouldn't want it on anybody. I wouldn't tell anybody. Yeah, go do what I did. I, I I tell them no way, don't do it, and because because uh, I made a lot of sacrifices and and it you know it's paying off so far, and I just you know just like you talk about it's luck which which is preparation and opportunity and I've just taken advantage of the opportunities I've been given and and uh, and and try to be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. That's that's pretty much what I've been doing through this whole process that I've uh, that I've now uh, come to. Yeah, and you had to really stay on your toes to do that, right? Oh yeah, you got to, and you, and you got to stay on everybody else's toes on the other end, especially during during the lease purchase and during the payoff. You know, you you always wanted to to make sure that they they minded their cues because you know they're they're the ones they're going to tell you. And you know, I got filled. There were three or four, even even the the director of the owner operator department sent me an email telling me that. The tax advantages for having a lease purchase versus buying the truck is way better. So, <laughs> leasing, 
is actually better for you in taxes and and all that. And I said, I said I don't care about. I said I don't care about the tax advantage. I care, I care about spending money. Is what I replied to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like it's like I can only make so much money a year, and I'm gonna have to spend way more money to keep that truck. You know, and so that's the other thing. And then and then the one biggest funny thing you hear at the truck shows all the time when you talk to some owner operator recruiters uh, at the truck show is they say you 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 build equity in your business doing a lease purchase. And I, I absolutely have not figured out what that means yet. I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> I have not well, figured. They must mean if you can manage to crawl through the lease and actually get your truck paid off, then you'll have a, some equity as long as that truck is still running. For I you. think they just think it's a line that sounds good and yeah. impressive. I don't think it actually means anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, e- equity. Having equity in something is a great thing. People say, "Oh yeah, equity." You know, a lot of people don't even know what that means, and it's like, it's like, yeah, equity. That's great. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but equity is only something that you is valued more than what you owe. So basically, it's like the net worth of the truck. Well, we know that yeah. a vehicle never ever will appreciate; it always depreciates. So, yeah. how can that happen? And then, and of course. The uh, the only thing that can happen to to have that is these these new releases now charge you a large amount of money per week and only about sixty percent of that money actually goes toward paying for the truck the rest of it goes to they they consider it to be a maintenance fund and that's how they keep track of your maintenance you, you know and that's another problem that you don't have no control over the maintenance you take it to where they tell you to take it. And it all comes out of the maintenance fund. Well, as long as you don't have anything to go wrong with the truck, which, of course, that's impossible. And that maintenance fund keeps building up, building up. Well, I, I guess after the end of three years, you can have a lot of money built up in that maintenance account. But that's, you know, that's not money that you can get to anytime you need it. That's money that you have to sit on until the end of the lease. And, and that's always there for the work to be, for the work to get done on the truck. And that's, I guess that's all I can see is, is that, if nothing ever happens to the truck in three years, you could probably have a lot of money in that main account. <laughs> yep. Right, yeah, and uh, even when you want to get into the maintenance account to spend the money, the carrier has to approve whatever you spend that money on, correct? A lot of them, well, that's some of those that have that, like the, that they have where, uh, where the payment, partial part of the payment goes into the maintenance account. That is, there is a lot of restrictions on that. There are other carriers that have maintenance funds that are just something you set up. You don't have to set it up, but you can set it up. And then, uh, but they won't, it's almost like uh, I knew Swift changed their policy when I was over there back in like 2010, 2011, where they were charging you 3% fee. No, 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 I'm sorry, I'll take that back. Let's say you were at the freight liner and you wanted to buy some parts and you wanted Swift to buy them because they can buy them cheaper and just take the money out of your maintenance account, deduct it through the payroll system. Uh-huh. Well, they would, charge, they would charge you a 3% fee to do that because what they said was is drivers were doing that way too often, that they were just saying, hey, you know, I spent $50 for parts. To, you know, Bill Swift, and and Swift will put it up to that of my maintenance account. 
go to a Swift terminal that has parts, and I buy parts there, and it all gets it's in the system. It it gets billed to the truck automatically. But at Freightliner, of course, it's a separate building, and they got to call Swift, and everybody's got to be on the phone approving things, and all that, and they don't want to do that. And then, uh, and of course, all hey, my truck's broken down. Where do I go? They send you somewhere, and then all that. There's, there could be problems with that too. It's, it's some some carriers will go ahead and pay the bill to get the truck fixed, and then charge your settlement, and some won't. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. that Schneider Schneider wouldn't do that at all. If you if you didn't buy the truck through Schneider, of course this is just owner off period, at least not not lease purchase. But if you didn't you if you weren't lease purchase through Schneider, then Schneider wouldn't do anything to help you. They don't have any breakdown, nothing. <laughs> yeah, that when I was at when I was at Warner and had my truck, Warner would not pay for anything. The only thing that you you could do is go into a place and pay and pay for it out of your maintenance escrow account, and they did what you said. They they took five uh, percent of that, so, un, unless you just took money out of it and then went someplace and got it fixed. But if you went through Warner. Where they took it out of your maintenance account, they didn't take it out of their uh, out of Warner's maintenance account. They took it out of yours and charged. They were actually, I think it was five percent to to just make that transaction. You know. Yeah. 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 Well, the other thing too was that at Swift, as far as maintenance, you you had a vault. Swift didn't have any extra maintenance. I think they do now, but but back back in the day when I was doing it, it was just voluntary. So you were putting so much money in, you could put cents per mile or a flat rate or whatever. So, so you call them up and you say, and you say, hey, I need, I need to take some money out of the maintenance account. Well, they wouldn't give it to you. They would put it on your settlement. So you wouldn't, you didn't have access right away. It would just be on your next settlement. Well, yeah. the only way to get around that is then you got to make another phone call to to your dispatcher, your driver manager, and say. Can I please have an advance on on an extra advance? And they'll say, Well, I don't know and all that. Of course, you know, building reputations is part of part of our lessons and, and that's how you learn is uh-huh. you know all know who not to call and all that. But I know I don't know if you do it, but I do it here at uh, at, at Landstar. Uh, they have a voluntary escrow, which it's kinda like a maintenance account, but it's you put so much money in set aside and you let you uh, you just deal with it and and, and save it and then uh, you call Ramstar and it goes on your card right away. You have complete access to it, which is kind of you know, hey, I, I got that money set aside just you know just for that case. I do it. I tell drivers the reason why I do it. I do it because it makes Ramstar happy to see that I'm doing that. Because if I ever need some extra help, then you know I'll. And they say, well, the guy he's got goes in regularly and, and all that. You know, I wouldn't necessarily keep thousands of dollars in there because you don't want to just save money and not have it earn interest. But you know, keeping keeping that going and let that side there with their system, it, it helps. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, we do we do the same thing. We have a, a an escrow account, and it's yeah, it's totally different than the than the other. Carriers, I mean, when you call up, you just say, "I want the money." They don't say, "What do you want that for?" 
Nope. Because it really is, if you think about it, it's none of their business. Yeah. You're asking for your money. You're ha- and, and we don't have to ask for it. We've just agreed at Landstar to have this maintenance account. They offer that as a service for, for making money for them. You know, and that's the way yep. it should be. And and when you when you talk about Swift and and Warner and Schneider, you know they're they want you to tell them what you what you're getting the money for, and you're talking about your money. Mm-hmm. You know, right? When we bought we bought our glider, uh, we find out we didn't ha- we we didn't have to have a maintenance account, and we didn't have one. Nope. You know, and we were at at the end of our when we did have a maintenance account, we just every uh, we would just take the balance of that escrow at the end of a month or something like that. And we would do a com check for that amount, so there was never any money left in that account. Yeah, we never we, had to talk to them. We figured that out the first time we tried to get into our escrow account, and they were like, uh, "We need to approve it. We need to see a receipt." Da 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 da. Uh, and then we figured out that if you just take it as cash and you're not actually doing a purchase, they'll, they'll just give it to you and they won't say anything about it. So we didn't let the maintenance fund build up. About once a month, we would write out a, a com data check. That way, we didn't have to get their approval to make repairs. Or to get the money. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, one, thing, one thing I want to mention real quick, and make sure we don't want to forget, and that you want to look out for when you're looking at a lease purchase, is you want to make sure that the title is in your name. Because if the title is not in your name, that is that's a that's a bad thing. You don't want you don't want to get in that situation. And I, I pretty much can guarantee you that that ninety uh, percent of the bigger companies, the companies that are doing lease purchases. They, you know, if they advertise lease purchase, they're probably going to be in their name, especially the big ones. They do it in their name. There are there are several that uh, go through a third party, and that third party. Now, see, that's the other thing too. You got to watch out for because even the third party could put the lease in their name or the title in their name, and and that kind of thing. So it, there's a bunch of different ordeals with that because uh, the lease. Go, Leasing a car or leasing a truck for uh, bad credit checks that you know if they if they're not doing a credit check, chances are they're not putting the title in your name. If they if they advertise no credit check, then chances are they're not putting the title in their in your name. They're putting it in their name because it's it's a risk. We talk about risk, you know. Always it's their their risk. If they're not willing to go in deep and find out your credit history and your history with, with making payments, then then they're not going to just get, hand you something with a with a name on it. Now, I don't know how some of the laws in some states work that if you're under a lease, the state will still let you put the title in your name with the uh, with lien holder name on it underneath. And, and a lot of states do that, but it's not for lease. They say specifically for buying. So yeah. it all depends on wording and all that stuff with the lawyers. So it all depends. Some states allow the titles to be titled in in the person's name under a lease. Some of them don't. And that's that's the other things, the other problems you get under with uh, with the states you're in. Yeah, and you got to think about that. If they're not willing to put the title in your name, are they really interested in you becoming a successful owner-operator? I mean, are they? No, they, well, they're no, they're interested in you making money or them making money. That's what they want. They're, you know, it's all that's all that's the bottom line is making money, and 
and and and what is it? What is always the lesson? Maximizing profit and eliminating risk. And by mm-hmm. by leasing a truck to a driver and and not having the lease, not having the title of that truck in the driver's name, you have maximized profit and eliminated risk because yep. the title is not in their name. <laughs> so that's that's the name yep. of the game right there. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the idea real quick that uh, there's an idea out there that you could have more success with a lease purchase if you sign with a small carrier. What do you think about that? I, I don't. I don't have any any uh, any knowledge that 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 that's true. Uh, it all depends on the attitude of the people. I mean, that's just it doesn't matter if it's big carrier or small carrier. If the people mm-hmm. care about this, like you're talking about, if the people care about you becoming successful, it doesn't matter if it's a large or small carrier. It's it's that's just the way it's going to go. Uh, some of the smaller carriers, they're the ones that deal with uh, the leases. They have, you know, they it, they're all they're all photocopied fax pages, and it's smudgy, hard to read, and those, you know, that kind of stuff you got to watch out for because that's that's usually how it is. That the telltale signs of Hi, Rick and Melissa. How are you? 
doing, doing great. well. <laughs> so, so give us your take on on how you think a person can get into one of these lease purchases and be successful. First off, now you you were in a lease purchase and and you were successful with it. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. I uh, bought my I truck in two thousand. Oh, good. Yeah, I think actually uh, Ed was also successful. So uh, you know he he doesn't like all the things he had to to go through to get there. So so both you guys actually have been successful at signing a lease and and getting out of it with your truck intact. But yeah, well, go ahead with intact. your story of your lease purchase. Well, first off, I'm with Ed. I don't recommend them. I don't think they're the best way to go about buying a truck or buying a job or whatever you want to call it. Because essentially, if you're in a lease purchase, you're just buying a job. Whether you want to admit that to yourself or not, is completely up to you. Um, basically, you kind of hit on it there. I was I was a little bit stubborn. I didn't really... <laughs> I'd been a company driver. I got hurt at work. Um, the people who knew that I had got hurt lied about my injuries and even knowing about it. So I kind of got rooked on that deal. So by the time I was ready to go back to work, I was a little bit stubborn and thick-headed and thought, you know what? I want to be a company driver. And uh, the guys at the carrier that I leased to, they were bought the truck from, they were coming into where my wife works and saying how busy they were and they couldn't get home and they didn't have no time off. And I was like, well, that is the place that I need to work. Unfortunately, not knowing anything really uh, about trucks other than they went up and down the road and I thought Peterbilt's were nice and shiny and flashy I leased a 389 feet when fuel was 4 and $5 a gallon <laughs> so it uh, the only way that I got mine done was good support at home and my stubborn attitude and hard work. Yeah. So, uh, what what are some of the mistakes that a lot of drivers make when it comes to lease purchases? The contract. Guys don't read the contract. They don't ask questions about the contract. Um, and then when they go to orientation and it's the time to ask questions, they just don't ask questions. They make a lot of assumptions based on like Ed was saying, you know, the guys in the truck stop or their buddy did the program and it worked for him. And, uh, I sat in orientation for a day with a gentleman who didn't ask a single question other than where was the washer. <laughs> he lasted six months. Yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the biggest thing in everything, even if you're trying to get a job as a company driver, is to ask questions and write your questions down before you know they they're probably not going to let you take if you say i want to take my contract to a lawyer probably not going to let you have the contract until you're willing to sign it so you're probably not going to have the opportunity to go to a lawyer but you should definitely read the contract if you have any questions um ask them if they don't know the answer have them find somebody that knows the answer because that's I know, not that it happened to me, but I know guys 
have said to me in the past that, you know, oh, I, I asked a question and they were going to get back to me and they never got back to me. And, you know, six months later, the guy's pissed mm-hmm. off. And in reality, after working at the carrier for a while, I knew the answer to the question. Mm-hmm. If he had gotten the and realistically, if guys are going to get in the lease purchase, they, they've they kind of made their mind up. You couldn't talk them out of it. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you can really do is, is hopefully do your homework on the carrier more than anything and see that they have work, consistent work. I went to a reefer company, which had consistent work, and we stayed busy. And um, Basically, I just worked to get mine paid for. Would I do it again? No, not not because over in a lease purchase you're basically overpaying for a truck that you can you go to the lot and buy that truck probably for a thousand dollars less a month than what you're going to pay in a lease purchase. And that's big money. It is. It's you know you're you're it was four and four to five dollars a gallon for fuel, and I was paying upwards of. The way ours was structured, it was the truck payment plus the HST plus the seven cents a mile, which went towards your theoretical um, down payment. Because in Canada, in order for a lease to be legal, you have to have a down payment and there has to be a buyout. Hmm. The other thing the law doesn't state when the down payment has to be paid. So with our lease, they rolled the down they rolled the down payment into the lease at seven cents a mile. And you paid that off over time. So the harder you worked, the quicker you got your your truck paid for. And then after that was paid off, they kept the seven cents a mile as a maintenance fund and uh which helped me out. I didn't like the idea of them keeping my money, but it did help me out in the end. So I was paying some months it was three thousand dollars, some months it was towards the thirty five hundred dollars, just depending on how much I worked. And you know, thirty-five hundred dollars a month at a dollar forty and a dollar fifty a mile. If you're lucky enough to even get that much, uh, it's a struggle. You really got to work really hard. And you know, the, I was fortunate. I was with a good carrier when the truck broke. They fixed it. We'd work out payment terms. I was pretty aggressive with my payment terms because I did not like owing them money. But I could. One example I could use. I put transmission out of my truck in California. It was $7,200 U.S. And on top of my truck payments, I paid my transmission off in seven months. So that's an additional $1,000 a month that I put to my truck. Because I refuse to owe them. The one thing I can say in a lease purchase is when you get your paycheck at the end of the week, take that money and keep it for yourself. If the truck needs maintenance... Use the company's money. That's a good idea. 90% 90 of the guys that i seen in lease purchases where I was did not make it to the end. So if you took your net income and put it back into the truck, you really lost. Mm -hmm. If, If I got maintenance done, I always used the company's money. It was never an issue. Yeah. It sounds like you were with a pretty good carrier because I I I don't know that I don't know that that I've ever heard of that. Uh, that they would let you fix 
they would that they would let you fix they would pay to to fix your truck and then finance that. When my truck blew up, for example, Warner said, "Hey, we, we're not going to loan you the money to fix that truck, but we will let you out of the out of the payments." Now that's basically when I found out that I I had a lease, but they were not going to give me a penny to fix that truck. I I went through the bank and through the cat to to get the engine rebuilt, and you know, I mean there was there was nothing they were going to do, and that's one of the biggest carriers in the U.S. And that and that's a pretty big risk on your part because you don't yeah. technically own the truck, right? So you put out I don't know forty thousand dollars for a new motor. Thirty-five thousand yep. dollars of your own money and your own credit—that is a yep. huge risk. That it's just a huge risk. You have that, that, and you really have skin in the game, and you have to make it work, right? But no, that yep. the carrier. <laughs> there's there's a lot of guys out there that that have lots of bad stuff to say about the carrier that I leased my truck from. But you know what? I went to work when they asked me to go to work. Uh, if I wanted time off, I gave them at least 30 days notice. Uh, I was very rarely late. I was good with customers. Like I worked when I was on the road. I used to, I would, I knew guys that worked there that it took them an extra day. Sometimes some guys two days longer to get to the coast than it took me because they just screw around so much. And then when stuff went wrong, there was no time for error. And um, the one thing and they used to, like, we had a pretty hefty interest rate. It was 15% on any money that you borrowed, any money. Mm-hmm. In five years of being there, because I worked the way I work and I had the relationship that I had, I might have paid that 15% interest two times. My transmission, I paid straight, it was straight across the board. The bill was 7200 U.S., and I paid 7200 U.S. There was no interest on that loan. Hmm. And, and further, even once I got in to the end of my lease where my truck was going to be paid for, I had intentions of getting my authority, and I went to the carrier, and I said, I want to get my authority, and they were more than willing to help me leave than rather have me stay and no, I didn't want to stay. You know what I'm saying? So they, if you would work mm-hmm. with them, they would work with you. But that's not, like you said, that's not the norm. I see, I, like mm-hmm. I've ran into guys that, like Ed said, they, they don't even know they're in a lease. They have no idea. They think they signed an employment contract and they're in a lease. Mm-hmm. Like, Don't get me wrong. We had guys at our place. We had um, a guaranteed program. So if they always guaranteed your net income. And they would bump your pay up if you were low, if you had maintenance, your pay would get bumped up. I know one guy in particular, after 12 months in that guarantee program, because he had a new emission truck, it was a 2012, 386, and in 12 months, he was $40,000 in the hole because he was on the guarantee program and they were constantly bumping his pay up. Now, what they would do with that money is next time they got a batch of trucks, they went to guys and said, hey, we'll forgive your debt, but you got to get in a new truck. I know guys huh. that are still there, and on their third and fourth trucks, they have no intentions of ever, they'll never own a truck, never. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I went in, my plan was a year, and at a year I would reevaluate the situation. Well, at a year, 
So April of 2008 to April of 2009, the price of fuel had come down. Uh, I had learned a little bit more, and we were still busy mile-wise with work. So I was like, okay, this is working. We're going to do it. And two years was my cutoff. At two years, if it hadn't been working and I, was, I felt like I was being taken advantage of, that was when I was going to leave. After two years, personally, I felt that I had given up too much of my time and too much of my life to give the truck back, which sometimes that can, you know, being, being stubborn can, can uh, be a negative as well. And, and some days, you know, I, I got into probably about three and a half, four year mark. And I really wanted to get out. I was just, had a lot going on. I was frustrated and I really wanted out. And, um, I just, I, I talked to my wife about it and she, for good reason, said, what are you going to do if you get out of this lease? And I said, I'm going to go to XYZ carrier and work. She goes, you're going to be gone just as much. She goes, and you gave up everything you've worked for. So it's up to you. But what do you want to do? And I, and I stuck it out. And um, I had, like, I had the DPF and I had the emission stuff, but I never... I didn't have a lot of the issues that a lot of guys have with emission trucks, which is also a benefit. It's, you know, it's a lot easier to swallow big payments and being away from home when you're not constantly in the shop. So, uh, one of the big things that, uh, we talked about when we were planning this in order to make a lease purchase successful is to know your numbers and to track your expenses. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. So basically I, I knew what my truck payment was obviously, and, and, and I knew roughly what fuel would cost me. My fuel on that truck was, uh, almost 80 cents a mile at one time because it was so expensive. Well, when I, when I first got in that truck, I, I drove it like I, I'd never driven a non-governed truck. So I drove that truck for a month like I didn't own it. And at the end of the month, I sat down and I figured out if I went from 4.25 miles to the gallon, even to five and then five and a half, at that time, that worked out to $2,600 a trip. So almost $2,400 a month. Mm. Wow. And, and so starting there, I slowed down to, to gradually down, to eventually down to 55. And, you know, even at 55, the 389 pulling a reefer is not doing great. But mm-hmm. it was far better than where I had started. So I just got, and I, the other thing I learned too was you needed to watch where you took your days off and what days, you know, what days were the best to take days off? You know, like Monday, Tuesday were the best days to be off because you could get loads later in the week that went to California or to BC where we ran. And it just, it just worked out better. And I used profit gauges um, towards the end because it gave you the breakdown of what everything was costing you per mile and it was just easy to pull up profit gauges and go, oh, you know, look at look at your numbers and, and really 
by the time I got to the end of my lease purchase, there really wasn't much else I could do number-wise without doing drastic changes to the truck. Modifications. You, like, yeah. Like, so many guys just, they don't, they they don't, they, they think the carrier has their, uh, the guy in the shop must know what he's talking about because he's the guy in the shop. But this particular carrier, the, like Ed was saying before, the guy in the shop doesn't care what you're doing. He's looking at his overall cost because technically those are his trucks and that's his money. He doesn't look at it as, as, as your money in your truck. He looks at it as this is my shop, this is my fleet, these are our trucks we're maintaining. You're just a sucker that's putting the ball. You know what I mean? Like, because he said to me one time, he said, you're just like everybody else. He said, you'll never make it to the end. He said, so our trucks will be maintained the way we want them because you're not going to be here in five years. Wow. And that's the way he was. And guys would, you know, guys would get recap tires put on and or, you know, just bad rolling resistance tires put on. And go, oh, well, they were cheap, you know, they were 300 bucks or they were 400 bucks. And it's like, but guys, you're losing half a mile to the gallon. And, you know, oh, well, I don't care. And the other attitude was, it's not my money, which they weren't wrong. It's not your money. It's not your truck. If you have the attitude, I'm never going to pay my truck off and I'm never going to own this truck. Well, you might as well go get a company job. Because you're not yeah. doing anything for yourself. But, uh, yeah. like, when I got, um, like, they gave me a lot of flack for the stuff that I did. Like, I put, uh, I put the Echo Pier on my truck, and I did extended drains, and they gave me flack for that because, oh, you're going to, but, you know, if you, uh, oil change in that truck was almost $400 because they would change yeah. on a cat. There's a crankbase filter. Well, that filter alone is 100 bucks. Cat's recommendation for changing that filter at most is every six months, and they were changing this thing every eighteen thousand miles. Jeez. And I was doing thousand miles a month, so every month and a half, I was spending unnecessarily spending a hundred dollars. And I, I, I finally got them after about two years to agree to do things a little bit more the way I wanted to because I was maintaining my truck and I was, and that's the other thing is you can save a lot of money by proving to the carrier that you're there for the long haul and you do maintain your truck because when you give input, they're more willing to listen. And in the long run, that'll save you money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what about uh, a lot of the lease purchases, they have all these escrows that are required, but some of them are voluntary. What do you think about volunteering uh, your money to the carrier in these escrow accounts? If your escrow is voluntary, um, I think most guys who get into lease purchases are inherently bad with money, or they wouldn't be in a lease purchase. They'd be at Peterbilt buying a truck or at Freightliner buying a truck. So, if it's voluntary and you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops, like I didn't realize what you guys were talking about earlier, all those hoops you have to jump for to get your own money. If you mm -hmm. need to jump through a bunch of hoops to get your own money, it's probably best to just set up your own escrow account, maybe a joint account with somebody who has to sign for the money. That way 
you can't go out on Friday night and just take the money out. If you're bad with money, maybe you need somebody that you trust to kind of hold your hand. But if you got to jump through all kinds of hoops to get your money, what good is it? Um, escrow account, like I have escrow account here where I work now, and it's not a bad idea. But how easily can you access it? I don't, I don't think too many lease purchases actually have voluntary escrow accounts. I think most lease purchases that I've seen, they're mandatory escrow accounts. Right. And my only concern with that is, like, in our lease, if you didn't stay for the year the way the contract was written, if you didn't stay for a year, you still owed the $25,000. They never they never went after anybody for that. But you still owed it. So those are one of the things in the lease that you need to pay attention to because if you work for a carrier, you know, that cares to go after you for 25 grand, well, you signed it, but you didn't read it. But I, I, I don't, I don't know anybody in my situation where I work that, um, that were taken advantage of. I, I found most guys that were willing to work did all right. And the guys that weren't willing to work well, they did okay too because of the volume of freight we had, but they didn't do great. And you know the guaranteed program that we had, basically those guys did have escrow voluntary. Well, they weren't voluntary; they were mandatory. But because the way the guarantee worked was, if you went over on your net for what the guarantee was, they just put that money back so that basically later you could take draw it when you were under. So you're kind of putting your own money back for the weeks where you were short. But you couldn't go in and access that money, you know, whenever you wanted. But voluntary, like, I don't think there's very many lease purchases out there that have um, voluntary escrows. I think most of them are mandatory. Now, the carriers that have voluntary escrows, I don't think they're a terrible idea as an owner-operator because, personally, me, if I get in a situation in the U.S., and I and it's late at night, the only place I'm going to access liquid cash from, if it's a large amount, is my escrow account from the carrier is going to be the easiest way to, to access the cash mm-hmm. without having to put it on a credit card or, or trying to get a hold of the bank. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. escrow is yeah. depending on how they're structured. Are, they're good ideas. Most carriers, I don't know how Landstar works, but most carriers that I've seen, you know, five thousand dollars is kind of their max because they don't want you to have ten thousand dollars in an escrow or fifteen thousand dollars in an escrow, and then you leave. Well, now they got to pay out your fifteen thousand. Uh, most of the carriers' uh, agreements that I've read are are three thousand to five thousand dollar escrows, and that's as high as they go. Mm-hmm. Well, so far as we know, Landstar doesn't have a limit. They let you put as much in there as you want. So. Uh... But Landstar is a big company with a lot of money, so they don't have trouble laying their hands on cash. Sorry. Right. But some of these smaller carriers, right, if you, if, I don't know, if you got four or five trucks of your own and three or four owner-operators, and you got owner-operators got, you know, 15000 in a in an escrow account, um, you know, if he leaves, he's probably leaving because things are getting tight. And if things are tight, you might not have his $15,000. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Okay, so uh, one of the last things I have on my uh, notes here is uh, 
one of the reasons that a lot of guys go to a lease purchase is because they get promised this really big check. They're going to get a lot more money per mile. They're going to get a lot more money per year. Gross. So that's what attracts them to the lease purchase. Why is that um, a bad thing? But those are all the reasons why most guys buy trucks, too. Not just even guys yeah. that just go buy a ten thousand dollar truck. Like they're, you know, their buddy lives up the road and got a shiny Peterbilt and and a brand new house. Well, his wife's a doctor, but nobody takes that into account. Um, if, if you're, I was told uh, when I worked at Schneider, I talked to the guy that was in charge of their owner operators there, and he told me he said if you're struggling to pay your bills every week. He goes, if you think you're going to go and buy a truck, he goes, a $150,000 truck, he goes, and suddenly have all the all more money to pay the bills that you're behind on now, he goes, you better just not buy a truck. He's not even a used truck. He goes, because if you're behind now, those big, I don't, I get why guys get a truck, you know, and the other thing is, guys aren't telling you the truth. You know, I, guys just say, oh, I made $4,500 this week. Right, but you take your fuel out of that, you take your truck payment out of that, you take your insurance out of that. Nobody tells the new guy that's getting into a lease purchase that his cost, you know, who knows? Like my, my cost, my cost is significantly lower now because of the truck that I own. But before, you know, 80 cents a mile for fuel is a little steep. Um, right, because you said you were making a dollar you know, forty, you know, right? Right back then we were making a dollar forty, you know you take eighty cents out of that and then, and then you know you're and you're so you take uh, take eighty cents out of that and then you're you know you're thirty thirty five on a ten thousand mile month that'd have been about thirty four cents thirty five cents you know the average guy was making twenty six twenty cents a mile if not there was weeks where i made there was weeks that I made less. But yeah, they tell you, oh, you're gonna make all this money. Well, back in '08, there was months where I took home eighteen hundred dollars. At the end of the month, that was for the month. I certainly was making more than eighteen hundred dollars a month as a company driver. But you know, it's a lot of it is, oh, you get a brand new truck. Oh, you you know, you're gonna make so much more money. Well, you, you guys know this. You can, the potential yeah. is there, but even if you buy a truck on your own outside of a lease purchase, if you're buying 150, 180, and now, all like, for us in Canada with, with exchange rates, a brand new Western Star 5700 is 220,000 fully loaded. Wow, you're talking, you're talk, a friend of mine just. So you're talking about a $3,000 a month truck payment after a guy wants to put $45,000 down. After a $45,000 yeah. So if you think there's a ton of money to be made out there because you get to drive a new truck, there's not. There's high volume. And like Ed said, you're going to, you know, just because you're in the shop and there's warranty, you're still down for the day. You know, if it's Friday, you just lost the weekend because you, you, you're not going to get loaded after you get out of the shop. You know, the downtime is, is, is phenomenal, and that all comes out of your pocket. Nobody, nobody, you know, the, the company's not footing the bill for your motel room anymore, and they're, you know, they're not giving you layover because their truck broke. Because now your truck broke, and you're stuck mm-hmm. somewhere, and, and they're not, 
I'm not going to say they washed their hands of you, but they certainly washed their hands of you more than um, than if you're a company guy, you know. Um, I like there's guys I run into out here, and they completely understand that they're never going to own their trucks, and, and they're but they do make a most of the guys that I talk to that understand they're never going to own their trucks. They do make a little bit more money than what the average company guy makes. Um, you know, there, there's, but the majority of guys, you could go get a good company job, still drive a brand new truck. If you got a good company job with a reputable carrier, most of them are on the new truck bandwagon. So you're going to get a brand new truck anyways. And when you go home on Friday or it goes in the shop, you just look at it and go, oh, that's nice. You walk away, go to a hotel room, go to your house. You know, it's, if, if you think you're going to get rich with $3,000 a month truck payments, you're not. It's, it's just not, it's not going to happen. You know, so just to recap, if you're looking to, if you're looking at a lease purchase, you're already in a lease purchase or you're considering a lease purchase, uh, you can make them successful. It is possible. It's just extremely difficult. Uh, the majority of the people that go into lease purchases do not complete them. Oh no, they don't. They don't do anything. Not only do do they work all the time to try to complete them, they don't get to do vacation because um, because they can't afford to because they're they're gone. I was gone. I was gone 14 days at a time. Um, so there's only 30 days in a month. If you're doing two trips a month, uh, some months I might have only been home one day. So if you're willing to be gone like that, then and you're willing to hustle, and you work for a good carrier, then then you'll do you'll you'll make it. But I see guys now uh, getting into lease purchases, and they still want to be home on Friday afternoon. It's a huge sacrifice, and not only is it a huge sacrifice for you, but it's a huge sacrifice. If it wasn't for the support at home, I would have—I I, just—I would have given up. I really would have. There was times that I really wanted to give up, but I'm, I'm a little bit thick-headed. I'm a little bit stubborn, and it's just there's—I don't know. If, if you could put your time and effort into anything, read the contract. And if, you, if you've taken the time to read the contract, you're probably the same guy that's going to take the time to go find a decent company job. Find a decent company job, get your money right, and just go buy your own truck. That's a excellent segue into the next part of tonight's podcast, the alternative way to become an owner-operator. So Rick and I are going to talk about that, and so we'll let you go and, and get on with the rest of your night. Thank you very much for your time. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye. Okay, so as Matthew just mentioned, um, really the most successful and best way to become a successful owner-operator is to save your money and buy your own truck, preferably a $10,000 truck. Um, if you are in a situation where you have to do, you feel like you have to do a lease purchase, you feel like you have to do a lease purchase because you don't have good credit, uh, you are not ready to become an owner-operator if that's your ultimate goal. Um, stick with the company. Yeah, stick with it. Be a, be a company driver. You're going to make probably the same amount of money or more, and you won't have the risk if, if that's 
if that's where you're at. Now, if you want to improve your credit and you want to save your money to become an owner-operator, there are avenues that you can take to do that. One of the big things is if you're in a bad way money-wise is to get Dave Ramsey's book, Total Money Makeover. If you read this book and you follow his principles, you will get your money straight. And then you can move towards becoming an owner-operator. Did you have something to add, Rick? Uh, well, of course, Dave Ramsey's book is right. That, that The big thing about getting into these lease purchases or, or making a choice between a lease purchase or buying your own truck is that no matter what you do, you need to know what you're doing. You, and you don't need to know a little bit about what you're doing. You need to know a lot about what you're doing. When you go into to, to sign a lease purchase, you have to know what's going to be on that thing. So when you come to on, on that contract that they're going to ask you to sign, so that means you have to do the research. If you want to buy your own truck, which is what all of us here are recommending, is that you go out and you buy your own truck. You need to know what kind of truck you want to buy, and you also need to have the money and the, the financial knowledge to run a business because that's what you're doing is you're buying a business. We know people in the company we worked at at Warner who've been there as company drivers for 15 years. They've been very successful. Every company has people who have stuck with things and become successful in what they're doing. All you have to do is learn how to do whatever it is you're going to do, which is what we've been talking about through this whole thing, and the lease purchase or becoming an owner-operator is no different. You need to know what you're doing. We can't emphasize that enough. Right, exactly. And uh, thankfully, there is somebody in the industry who has come up with a program to help you move from company driver to owner-operator. That person if that's be, what you choose. Yeah. If that's what you choose. If you want to be a company driver for the rest of your career, go for it. If that's what you want, that's fantastic. You'll have a great career and you'll have a retirement and it'll be wonderful. But if you want to be an owner-operator and you want to, and you need to learn, which most people do, uh, Kevin Rutherford has just instituted a one-two-three program to become an owner-operator. Um, he has three different educational opportunities uh, for those who want to become an owner-operator. The first one is a little free ebook that he came up with that you can access at LutzTruck.com, and there's also a webinar. Uh, the name of that is Changing Lanes Without Crashing. And he goes over the six biggest mistakes uh, to avoid when becoming an owner-operator. So that's big. You want to make sure you look at that. Next, if you go and read that e-book e and you decide you still want to be an owner-operator, you want to get his book. It's actually more of a program. It's a, it's an audio book. It's video. It's a program. It's worksheets. It's It's everything you need in order to buy your first truck and become an owner-operator. It discusses everything. It discusses how to buy your truck, how to get your finances in order. Yeah, and the name of the program is Stop Holding the Steering Wheel and Start Driving Your Business. And that is uh, step two. Step three is what they just instituted in actually the place that we're sitting at right now, which is their yearly CMC. It's going to start on Monday. As we sit today, it's going to start on Monday. Um and they just instituted uh, three lanes. The lane that you want, which would be your third step, is lane one, which basically what they're going to do is they're going to go over the program 
that you went through before you went to the CMC, but you're going to have access to Kevin Rutherford to ask him every single little question that popped into your head while you were going through that program, and you're going to get more detail on everything. So um, getting into business is risky, so preparation and research is key. That is everything. If you just try to jump in, you could get lucky like, like Rick did. You could be stubborn like Matthew is. You could get lucky like Ed, but maybe not. Maybe you don't get lucky. Maybe you're not stubborn enough. a lot of enough. people don't get lucky. Right. That's not the way to start a business. Yeah. It's relying on luck. Yeah. And uh, you could just absolutely fail, you know, and you're back to being a company driver, maybe. And again, know? And again, we know someone at the company we were with that he was a company driver. We don't actually know how long he was a company driver because we met him when he was just getting ready to buy his truck, and he's out of business now. Right. He, he wasn't just, lucky. He listened to the salesman. The salesman talked him into buying the truck. He said, thought it sounded good. He jumped in without doing any research, didn't know anything. And, and what? Even, even with me begging him to do things that would have made his business successful, he continued to listen to people that didn't know what they were talking about. He wouldn't do the research that I well, told he, lasted, he should do. He lasted about two years, and now he's out of business. So yeah. there you go. That's the bad side of not doing your research. So that's that's basically it. I mean, that's, you got your reasons not to sign a lease purchase. you got uh, how difficult it is to make a lease purchase successful. Uh, possible, but very difficult. And then you have the program that we recommend in order to become an owner-operator. Now, sometimes you're going to go into the program and you're going to find out that you're not cut out to be an owner-operator, but that's good. It's good <laughs> to spend, like, it's good to spend about $250, bucks. i am sorry, for the, for the program and find out if you're cut out to be an owner-operator rather than jumping into an owner-operator program and, you know, uh, you know, losing Finding everything you're you not. got. Yeah. Right. So, so if you go into this wanting to be an owner-operator and you find out you're not cut out for it, that's actually good because at least you, you figured out that you're not ready for it without spending all that, all that money. That losing your shirt. Yeah. So we've been talking about this for over an hour, but, you know, it's a big topic. We want to make sure we hit all the, all the points, and I, th I, think, I think we did uh, pretty good. Yep, I think so too. Um, of course, uh, if you have questions, our Facebook program is there. Facebook page. Facebook page is there. <laughs> yeah, just go to Facebook and search Trucking 101. Apologize for my cough. A um, little bit of bad weather. So if you have any questions or comments, suggestions, go to Facebook, search Trucking 101, and uh, we will talk to you on Facebook, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye now. I didn't